The Will Cain Show podcast is presented by the Capital One Venture Card. Earn unlimited double miles on every purchase every day. What's in your wallet? You're listening to the Rosolo NBA podcast with Ryan Rosillo. Yeah, Friday. Who's going to get down tonight? Not you, because you're going to be home watching the NBA like me. You're going to go, I can't let Rosillo down. He dropped some advanced stats on us. Stats to impress the ladies. Do we still have that sounder? We still have all that production. Suri looks at me going, Ugh. That looks like a no. That's all right. It doesn't matter. I can just voice it over. Um, I, I just used to, I remember I used to work with a guy that every single day of the week he would do a show. He'd like scream the day. We're like, I don't know. We got it, man. We got it. Okay. So last night, not a great slate in the NBA. Thunder lose again. No Paul George, though. They lose to the Nets, Mexico City. Shout out to the, I don't know the area code. Zero one one. Uh, I want questions from you guys. I don't know what they are ahead of time. I asked uh, on Twitter about that, but here's here's what we want to do. This is where we want to kind of start and spend a good chunk of this because it was just fun. And I got to admit, like every time Sixers are on my watch, I go, "All right, well, I mean, not every single one of their twenty four games, but that's kind of the deal." And looking at last night, we realized we remember we did the emergency Embiid podcast, and Embiid. Goes for 33 and 6, but it was very specific. Like the things I was looking for in particular were okay, how are they going to defend Embiid differently this time around? Now, Lakers ended up winning this whole thing, but you know, like this podcast, it's not about, hey, the Lakers won, so now let me make it all about all these different Lakers things. This is, I didn't even care really about, um, who won or lost this game at all last night. It, and that doesn't really tell me all that much. It's really more about will these two young teams continue to be this good defensively? as I've kept tracking this this whole time. Boston was way ahead of everybody first maybe 18 games in. They've regressed a bit defensively a little bit later, but they're still number one but barely ahead of San Antonio in defensive rating. Uh, the Sixers are kind of sliding around that 10 range. Uh, their offense isn't great, but defensively they've still been pretty good, and the Lakers are still a top 10 defensive team, which blows my mind because they don't have an Embiid, but we'll get to Lopez a little bit later on this stuff. So last night they paid Lopez 20 minutes, but they actually gave Bogut 11 minutes, and he used his fouls. And uh, if you look back at the game log for Bogut when they matched up out in L.A., uh, he played 20 minutes in that one. So, you know, they were trying to figure out a way. I'm trying to look up the fouls here again. Uh, he only had two fouls in that game, but that was the game where, look, we all freaked out about Embiid. He had 46 points. We called it his newborn day. Uh, I think that's November 17th. I think I said it so many times. That's why I remember it, but I can't even remember it here on this deal. So last night, um, you know, as soon as, as soon as Bogut would leave, I felt like last night you could see a more attacking Embiid. He'd be like automatic. Okay. Here we go. Lopez done. Let's get this thing moving. Now, when Randall would come into the game, it was even worse for the Lakers defensively because then Embiid, and this is the thing I'm looking for. I'm going, okay, how can I watch Embiid play differently? Like, Bogut is still strong enough to shut him down, and that's why that Bogut flop drove me nuts because, look, nobody can really knock Andrew Bogut down. And then Randall stays in because Randall was actually the most aggressive offensive player, I thought, like, actually doing things. 
there's different levels of aggressiveness. Just taking shots and bad ones doesn't mean you're an aggressive offensive player. It just means you're taking shots. But Randall was actually trying to do some things, and he had a bad turnover there a little bit, but he was a guy at the close of that game where I felt like, okay, here we go again. with like It's going to be a Randall game. This is going to be a Randall close. He goes 30 minutes, 16 points. But there was a real specific spot because the Sixers were chasing this whole thing last night. They were down 71-55, 525 to go in the third. They put together a nice run there, close to about five points. Embiid, who I think is actually taking a little bit less threes uh, on the season. He was two or three last night, and when he hit one, they ran another play for him out of a timeout where they were like, okay, Embiid looked pretty good on that last one. Let's get him another one. So he hits those pretty close to each other. But then... Uh, remember everybody crushed Luke Walton about not doubling Embiid in those games, and then they went to bring a double, okay? So they brought a double, they they sagged off Rashawn Holmes on a straight double ran uh, on Embiid when Embiid was on, if you're watching on your TV, left to right. I feel like I've just done five, six minutes of a terrible podcast, so I'm sorry. But Embiid's on the left block if you're watching left to right, and they bring a hard double, like not a show, two guys come over, boom, on you. And then he passes right over, and that's the scary thing about doubling Embiid. Is he's one of the best passing big men I've ever seen. I'm serious. I don't care that he's only played only two seasons, not even. Uh, we're not even at, what, we're maybe 50 games? Yeah, just over 50 games with this guy, maybe. Um, and, and his home's finished, dunks and one whole deal, and you go, okay, well, I didn't double him in that Lakers night when we went for 46, and now I double him again. So they tried it one more time. They go, all right, let's 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 give him a show double where we're sagging off of Holmes. And we'll see how that looks. And Embiid was so far away that maybe you don't need a double. But as we've mentioned before, Embiid with these upfakes, you know, everybody kind of falls for him because his shot is good enough. And he's a, he's like a two guard the way he dribbles into his shot. And so they sag, they show the double, they kind of sag off of Holmes. Holmes makes a great cut. And Rashawn Holmes out of Bowling Green, I remember watching him at the combine. He's one of the dudes at the combine. You're like, wait a minute, who the hell is that guy? And they're like, oh yeah, that okay, man, like pay attention to him. There is no, and I tweeted this out last night, there's no such thing as a 50-50 ball in Rashawn Holmes' world. It's his. That's that's Rashawn Holmes. There's no, oh, it's 50, it's any man's, no, I'm Rashawn Holmes. I showed up. That ball's mine. Game. Uh, Embiid. Do I want to look up this stuff? Yeah, I guess, yeah, 52 career games. I don't know. I don't know why I keep doing that kind of stuff. So anyway, Here's the deal. Then I send out uh, the Lonzo Ball tweet. Anybody that watched that game in the second half, uh, and I'm not going to do this, but like, hey, Rosilla did this really original thing where an on-air guy complained about Twitter. Um, Lonzo, I don't know how you watch those games and, and don't notice that Lonzo, for long stretches, completely disappears. Or you have to go, oh, that's right, he is out there. And it's very weird for a point guard. It's not weird for a rookie. It's weird for a point guard. And then at the very end of the game, before he made the pass to Ingram that was the game-winning three, Lonzo actually took a horrendous three, but it had been like the first time he brought the ball up because Clarkson got it going a little bit. Ingram will drive on anyone. Uh, he'll go at Embiid, and then Randall was driving a bit. Clarkson actually did have some really tough makes. Like, man, there's times where you go, man, this dude can score a little bit. And then Nance is busting his, you know what. But, yeah, Lonzo has stretches every game that I watch where I forget he's out there. And I, that's not – I don't – I'm not dissing Lonzo. I, I don't dislike him. I'm rooting for him. There's things about his game I like a lot. There's times that I've watched him on defensive, uh, defensive team rotations where he's pointing out the next rotation for one of his teammates. Like This is a very smart, locked-in basketball player. But he's, again, incredibly passive. And then he took a horrible, horrible three, which is really unlike his game. And then he made the drive and then kicked it out to Ingram. Ingram hits the game-winning three. Uh, also want to just remember Ben Simmons. He didn't die. I just wanted to bring him up. He is, and I don't care that this is not wrong. 
there is a lot of LeBron in his game. Um, his vision is is incredible. But the thing that reminds me of LeBron is that when he drives at you with his size and his power, it's over. And I don't know if he's going to start getting called for this thing where he kind of flicks the defender off him, but I don't think he will because he's going to be a higher-profile player. And for all the calls that LeBron says he doesn't get, I mean, there's so many where he just plows into the dude and the guy's trying to be even with him. And since he's not stopped, it's always going to be a foul on the defensive player. And that's not really even a LeBron thing. That's just the way offense is. I don't really love that the offensive player in transition can initiate all the contact and it's your fault if you're not stationary, even though most of these charges, no one's stationary anymore anyway. But uh, Simmons has that. Simmons has that ability with his size. And, and look, it's the handle. It's the vision. There is no shooting whatsoever. He will be standing wide open at 15 feet. He doesn't even think about it, and you'll still see the defender sagging off of him, and it still doesn't matter because you get caught up in these cross matches, and he's so big. Larry Bird's book, Drive, was was great. I mean, if you don't know much about Larry Bird or you only just remember you know, Cougar Mellencamp before it was the Cougar part, or I forget which one he dropped. I'm not a huge Mellencamp guy, shockingly enough, but – Small Town, VHS, Frank Layden, Marv Albert, and Bird just taking highlights. But if you know more about Bird, uh, tough, tough father deals. Father killed himself, uh, introvert. It kind of makes a little bit more sense when you understand Bird and then the drive. And that's the name of the book is Drive. And the reason I'm bringing this whole thing up is that Bird, in the beginning of the book, goes, you know, I was really tall. <laughs> And he goes, you know, I was good. I could shoot a little. But, man, you know, I was really, really tall. And when you read that piece from the book, it's not minimizing who Bird was, but it's also making this point that you can never forget and why short guys will be overlooked and short guys will continue to not be drafted because uh, Chris Wallace, the GM of the Grizzlies, once said to me, he goes, Ryan, we're in the height business. We are in the height business. And Ben Simmons is a blue chip height, whatever you want to call it. it is, there's so much of his game that is so easy to him just because he is so freaking tall for the position. Like just watch. Like you, you don't want to go at him because he's going to drive by you because of the handle. And you could say, well, no, wait a minute. A lot of guys are taller than I have the handle. Like, look, we've been talking about the same thing, but him being that big and doing what he can do is stupid. And it starts with him in the height. The way he looks over everybody, the passes that he can make that other people can't make. And I'd like to see more Sixer stuff on those cross matches where they actually had Embiid feeding. They were doing an inside-outside thing where Simmons would be posted. And he doesn't even really have to do any post-finishing moves because he's so big at times when he has these guys that are trying to guard him. Like, you don't – that dude is a problem, man, a problem. I still think there are going to be times offensively the Sixers look terrible and the rankings back that up. The Lakers are actually one of the three worst offensive teams in the league right now. Uh, that was a nice win for them, a nice little bounce back after, I wouldn't say being humiliated, but like Embiid just posterized him, memed him for an entire game. And, you know, it was a nice win by them. But I, I'd actually expect, I'm still expecting a little regression for both of these teams, but then I could see the Sixers at the end of the year maybe being the best version of them that we've seen. And that's just them being young. It's them still having these offensive stretches that look pretty ugly. You know, Reddick's been okay uh, as I was looking at some of the stuff, and they traded Okafor and, and Stauskas. For Stauskas, for, for Sauce Castillo, for a dude that could just shoot, he hasn't shot the ball very well in his career. So, you know, you move on from Okafor, you bring in a rotation guy and Trevor Booker. 
And that's really what that trade is about. And hopefully Okafor can even get out there and get some minutes. I mean, I know he's he's this outdated 2011 player, this dinosaur. But, um, you know, he still should not be he, – he still should be somebody that you could at least put out there a little bit unless the defense just continues to be as atrocious as it was. So I know that felt a little Sixer-ish in the whole deal, but, like, it wasn't about, oh, if the Lakers don't hit the Ingram thing and the Sixers – no, just talking about what I saw last night. Uh I think I wrote down a couple other things. Donovan Mitchell show continues to um, be impressive out there for Utah. I had never heard it called SWAT Lake City. You ever heard that, Surdy? Nope. I mean, it makes sense now. That's a negative. Um, also, when you're a fan of a team, you don't like the way a Sports Center anchor describes how the t- your team did against them. Like sometimes you win by a touchdown and be like, oh, sweet, bye. And maybe the other team scores a late touchdown. A lot of times the anchor just sees the shot sheet last minute. It'll say 21-14, and it could have been 21-3 the entire time. It's ne- it's it's never personal. It's never, ever personal. Right now, if you go to ESPN.com, you click on the Rockets page, it says Rockets pull away for 112-101 win over the Jazz. Uh, dude, they didn't they didn't pull away. I mean, they were, they were down the whole time. Uh, they were down in the first. They were even in the second. They got outscored. What's the third quarter rule? That's the Rosillo rule. Third quarter, best team show up 37 to 20, and then uh, the Jazz outscored them by 11. So they lost by, they're down 22 going to the fourth quarter. So I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure about that one. Let me see. I can go back, go back, go back. Yeah, 96, 76. Do you want me to keep doing this on the game probability? Probably don't. Uh, Harden, Paul back, getting it going, playing Paul with Harden, benched on that first time through. So I'm not going to look at the minutes when it was. Um, it was it was ugly, but you know he's he's starting to get this thing rolling. The last three games, thirteen assists, nine boards, eighteen points for him, and uh, he dropped a couple threes as well. But Donovan Mitchell and Alec Burks, by the way, two dudes. Alec Burks has actually gotten it going for them, scoring quite a bit. I mean, he's what, dude? Are you serious? Okay, how many years has Alec Burks been in the league? So Rudy, go six. Well, this would be his seventh. So that was a great there guess. You go. Did you know that? Uh, no, I mean, I, he, I knew he'd been in for a little while. Did you draft him in fantasy or something? I used to play with him in 2K all the time. Ah, 2K. There you go. So, hey, for people that want the crossover appeal, check out the Steven Jackson podcast that we did yesterday, and I'm going to read you verbatim. Uh, let me see here. Um, I got a text from my buddy. Do I say his name? Yeah. Yeah, I can say his name. His name is Tommy Lee. Not of Motley Crew. He's the best dude ever. I rank him number one time all time dudes. He's my one of my best friends. I mean, I got a lot of best friends, obviously, even though I apparently don't hang out with anyone. Uh one of my friends who's from Connecticut, lives in Colorado, his wife, who's awesome, uh, the Lees of Chicago. The her younger brother is this dude, Tommy, who lives in Chicago now. And I've brought him out a few times. He's met some cool people through me. I'm trying to hook him up with a long family. I'm not sure that's going to happen because, you know, like you don't want to – like it's cool that I'm friends with some famous people, but I don't know. I can just pawn you off even though you're really cool. So he's obsessed with Steven Jackson. He's been obsessed with Steven Jackson for like a decade. So he listens to the show regularly, and then he texts me while Steven Jackson is coming on telling stories. And if you missed it, he told the stories about some NBA stuff, but then it turned into paintball and almost getting kicked off the spurs, how to talk to strippers, how to get them to leave their shift early, and then what it's like to get shot at by your friends because you're in a rival gang area shooting dice at 3 a.m. at 14 years old. That was an hour of the show yesterday. So my boy Tommy Lee texts me. He goes, just listen to your show with S. Jax. I mean, look, he loves him. 
He's the best dude ever. My sophomore year at Loyola, New Orleans. Okay, so this kid also went to, I think he went to Tulane. And then he's a Wisconsin guy. He's got all sorts of, any any spot that's hot, this kid is on it. I think, I don't even think he's 30 yet. I'm not even sure. And then when my friend married his sister, he moved in. And I went, wow, you got a wife and a roommate. And he's like, yeah, I don't even care. I like the kid. And everybody else thought, man, what a terrible deal that is. He gets married. They move into a new house. They're going to start a family. And he's got like a 23-year-old kid just like hanging out, watching gold shows with him. And dudes were like, no, it's awesome. Go visit. And I did. So he goes, um, sophomore year, we get a, we're at Loyola, New Orleans. We got a table at a club called the Republic in NOLA. He knows what's up. It's NOLA. The Warriors were in town and had a table next to us. He came and sat with us. Let's just say he hung out for a bit with the crew. He goes, at the end of the night, Monte Ellis and Anthony Murrow and uh, him were pounding Patron and that Jackson sat with my friend and all of his dudes. And these kids are sophomores in college, and they spent the entire time talking about 2K and who was good to use. And they were like, you had to use Anthony Murrow. You had to trade for Anthony Morrow in 2K back then because it was just filthy. And that's what I, NBA Live, 95, 96 for me, you immediately traded for Del Curry and just stuck him in the corner and murdered the rim. Yeah, it was like almost unfair because I think he was like a high 60 rating guy, but he was awesome at shooting threes. He just, yeah, the overall, the the overall rating thing didn't really matter. Don't ask him to dribble, you know, like the 12th round of a fantasy draft and it's just like the best player you can get. You know who was like that too? Remember, um, Marshawn Brooks, terrible player, all due respect, awesome in 2K. Kobe, baby Kobe. Providence is Marshawn Brooks. Yes, of Nets fame too. Remember Celtics fans being like, we traded Kobe? Uh, hmm, what do I want to do? All right, stats. Can we do a little stats thing and then we'll do questions? Because I, I can't go 30 minutes on this. I got a solo show today. A lot of writing. Can we just play some music then if we don't have stats to impress the ladies? Nice. This is my brother, Euphony. I think he's doing two shows in Vegas right before New Year's Eve. So I don't think he's doing New Year's Eve. That'll be next year when he's headlining. Somewhere. All right. Um, hustle stats. You can find these on ESPN. Excuse me. You can find them on the NBA.com advanced stats page. I just thought these were kind of fun because I wouldn't have picked up on any of these unless I went and looked for it. And I was looking for Ben Simmons' shot chart, and I couldn't quite find it. And then I get distracted by looking at other stats. But I will get research on that because I want to find how many guys have ever scored as many points as Simmons has that are non-post points with such a short shot distance. Because I did it with LeBron. When LeBron complained about not getting as many calls, and he's at a record low for him, free throw attempts per game, although it could have adjusted to second worst of his career. And then I called our research department. I said, is LeBron, is he taking shots further away? Because he's shooting so freaking well now. And his average shot distance for LeBron is actually still about the same as it was last year. So, LeBron, point to you, sir. Okay, these are hustle stats. Oh, I forgot to mention, too, the Thunder in that loss to the Nets. No Paul George. I think Paul George has been awesome for them lately, and I'm I'm liking him more and more, allowing him to just kind of create and dribble. Don't waste Paul George sticking him in the corner off of a million Westbrook plays. But who's really killing him is Melo. Melo can't hit a shot now for like a few weeks, and it's it's not just cold, it's garbage. I think he's in the teens from three lately. It's been terrible. George has been killing it. 
uh, really good. And the reason I bring up Paul George is that there's all these hustle stats. So it's how many deflections do you average per game? Deflections are huge. I mean, sometimes steals are, I actually do think steals are overrated a lot of time. Uh, deflections are huge. Getting after loose balls, charges, screen assists, contested shots. So here you go. Paul George actually leads the NBA in deflections per game. I don't want to do this to Suri because you might, do you want to even guess what leading that leading number would be? Cause I don't think I would have even, I don't, I don't know that I would have known. Again. So how many deflections do you think the best player in this stat averages per game. I think I'm overselling it a bit. So three and a half. Well, pretty good guess. Four point seven. Okay. Very. You know, you, I just didn't want you to come out and say like thirty-eight. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. Right. <laughs> come on. You go. Well. Well. I look. I'm not saying that you're an idiot. I think you're one of the best basketball guys we have here. You are actually. You should do oh, your own NBA you. pod. No, I'm serious, man. Loose balls. Chasing down loose balls. Who leads that category? Paul George. Two gathered loose balls per game. Charges taken. Marcus Smart? No. If it was offensive fouls on the rim, maybe. Uh, but Kyle Lowry, of guys that play, because there's one dude who played like one game, but Kyle Lowry averages .77 charges per game. That's almost a charge per game. That's... Pretty impressive. Marcus Smart, for those asking, he's at .29. I like so, Kyle Lowry, probably going to be on the show Tuesday. Oh, nice. A big Kyle Lowry uh, interview fan. 17th. That's 17th for Marcus Smart. Screen assists. What are screen assists? A screen that leads to a bucket. So if you set a pin down for somebody and they come around and catch it, boom, high screen and they get a layup. Um, maybe it's some pick and pop deal. Well, pick and pop would be you, so... I think you get the point. It's all big dudes, and leading the way is Marcin Gortat. Speaking of Marcin or Marcin Gortat, it's Marcin, I believe. Dario Saric is now Dario Saric. Have you noticed that this year? That Euro translation. Once again, proving my theory that every European player's name is pronounced wrong until they start getting buckets, and then it changes. The pronunciation of every international player's name changes after a couple seasons. That's why I don't worry about on draft night anymore. And contested shots. Most contested shots per game. Oh, you know what I want to do? I'm sorry. I want to get that number for you so that you know what it is. Is this the uh, official J.R. Smith stat? <laughs> yeah, I love. But did you ever? I've complained about that article way too many times. Um, what, that he's better when he's taking shots? Yeah, yeah. That, that fanboy, I think it was a GQ thing that did a thing on J.R. Smith. And it just was like it accused Jay Crowder's face of headbutting his hand in that playoff series. I mean, he and he's like, the only reason his numbers aren't better is because he gets bored with open shots. You just go like, are you making out with this guy while you're doing the interview? Anyway. Uh, Brooke Lopez leads the NBA in contested shots. So Lopez, and I, I'm telling you, man, there's so many, there's so many stats here where Demarcus Cousins is surprising. Oh, he's surprising me, but like a lot of these defensive numbers for Cousins are better. Like the plus minus. Like if I go real plus minus, and I'm going to get a little distracted here, but bear with me. But I like to point out, like you guys think that I have personal vendettas against all these dudes that I don't like. No, that's not true. Usually, I'm just right about not liking a guy versus liking a guy. But uh, as of this season, Demarcus has been a much 
better statistical guy defensively. Uh, he's 17. Now, a lot of the big guys on the defensive plus minus are all going to be, you know, there's not. Usually the only dude that's way up here as a guard are, you know, Chris Paul's usually up there, but he doesn't have enough games, I think, to qualify. Ben Simmons is actually up there, but he's also enormous. Um, but usually it's all front court players. Like a Robertson's in there. Paul George would make sense. But it's Whiteside, Pachulia, Draymond, West, although you could argue Draymond's not even a front court player. Uh, yeah, Cousins, Cousins has just been a lot better on these things. Like, let me just go to center real quick. All right. So Cousins is 10th now. He's actually, I think he's dropping off a little bit. Um, so if he's 10th, what was he last year in defensive plus minus? And again, this doesn't tell the entire story, but usually if you're doo doo defensively, you'd be like, you know, is this guy terrible on defense? You go, yeah, he's 50th in this stat. Like, okay, he might be. Uh, Damn it, man. Uh, I can't find him. What the hell is going on? All right, this is uh, this is an awesome segment. I'm going to stop doing this. All right, contested shots. Brooke Lopez is number one. Screen assist, Gortat. See, now I'm mad. I'm just going to keep looking it up. Defensive plus minus 2016-2017. This should not be that hard. Gobert was number one by a massive margin over centers and Bogut was number two did not play for Cleveland very long oh uh, yeah Cousins was 47th I found it I found it alright so my whole argument you know last year Cousins just not that good defensively hasn't been for his career doesn't show doesn't do all these things he's been uh, much improved and he's number two number three in contested shots this year alright that was so stupid I took that long to find that stat I apologize to everybody questions respect the game First one from Greg wants to know. Hey, Greg. If Julius Randle could take 25 pounds off him and put it on Brandon Ingram, how good would the Lakers be? <laughs> I don't think Randle needs to be that much smaller. I don't. I don't. I think the, the problem for Randle is, is he's he's just he's not consistent enough. That happens with young players. I'm not worried about Ingram either. I'm just not. I'm not. I think he's going to be good. And I know the advanced stats on him aren't very good, but I just I think he's pretty good. And I love that he's actually a more physical player. You look at him and go, oh, you know, but he drives on everybody. He went and beat a couple times early last night. Uh, I think Randall's thing is kind of a one direction guy, uh, not the band. And he is, I don't know. There's, there's nights where I like Randall. There's nights where I like Randall, but then there's nights where I go, I can see why this isn't going to work. And that's the thing is when it's new and he's younger and he shows those flashes, I got really excited about it. And then it just started to keep, you know, like it's, it's going to become Derek favors for me. You know, I think Derek Favors is ruining my relationship with Julius Randle, even though they're different players. But that almost sounds a little bit like Final Fantasy there at the end. Yeah, you got to switch out the music. Was that true that Osama bin Laden, when they found his hut, that the he had Final Fantasy VII in there? Uh, I had not heard that, but I mean, you know, probably didn't have a ton to do. I'm will caning the hell out of you right now. Well, if you needed, if you needed to kill like a good. Hundred hours, hundred hours, yeah. As cloud That's the strife. best game you could probably play. Yeah, I loved it. I freaking loved it. And my roommate Pete erased everything, and then we had to borrow another dude's memory card because I was like, "All right, fine." And I'm like, "What level are your dudes?" And he's like, "Oh no," he's like, "I, I have no life either." He's like, "Let's go ahead." I'm going to go ahead and tell the story because it's so freaking embarrassing. So it was like an older dude it was an adult, and I think I had, I was like fifty year guy, so I'm twenty two. 
off-campus apartment in the next town over, which was hilarious when we would talk to girls and they'd be like, well, where do you live? And you'd be like, well, are you familiar with, you know, and then you'd be in a cab and you're on the highway and the girl's like, what the hell's going on? Like, don't worry about it. We have a pool and stuff. Um, but yeah, so we, uh, we had my, my roommate Pete erased my memory card like a hundred hours into Final Fantasy VII. And obviously it was super- By accident? Yeah, okay. I mean, you know, it was like a sabotage situation. No, no, he wouldn't do it on purpose. So he's like, "Hey, he's like this guy." And this dude was like forty. He goes, "I play all the time too." And he's like, "I finished the game." He's like, "But I saved it in stages, so you can just pick a stage where you feel like it's kind of where you are in the story." I'm like, "Oh my god, problem solved." I still didn't love it because you know I had my guys tuned the right way and whatever sort of what was it mana? I'm trying to remember what the hell all this stuff was. Uh <laughs> And he named, he renamed the guys. Like, I didn't name myself Ryan. I just kept it Cloud Strife. And he named it after, like, body parts. And it was so lame and embarrassing. It was like Big Penis was, like, one of his buddies. And then every girl was named whatever. And my my roommate and I were going, (laughs) like, are you kidding me? You're like, oh, boobs is here to save the day. I'm gonna use her against this this forest wizard. So I don't, I think it's about as far as I can go with that story. But it was, uh, it was pretty weird. All right, moving on. Respect the game. <laughs> All right, <laughs> Jay wants to know what can the Clippers get for DeAndre Jordan? A lot of Bucks fans want to know about DeAndre Jordan. Uh. You know, DeAndre's going to be one of those trades where you're probably not going to like what you get back because his market is probably not as strong as the way we think about DeAndre Jordan. Like, I like him. I don't love him. He's a complimentary piece who's really, really expensive. And I don't... You know, to get that young prospect back... I mean, Drummond's going to... Wait a minute, wait a minute. You're talking to Andre Jordan. Excuse yes. Me. Yeah, because Andre Drummond used to be this dude that it sounded like nobody even wanted. But he's been better this year. He actually showed me a few post moves. Uh, I've watched like three of their last few games. Tobias has been great. Reggie Jackson's been better. Um, he has been better, so I can't really deny any of that, even though you know we all know my Reggie Jackson position. But yeah, the DeAndre thing's going to be, if it happens, contender, you get back pieces. You can say, hey, we get a first rounder, and it probably isn't a great one. That's that's what that deal is going to be. I'd be shocked. I mean, I don't even I haven't heard anything or anything like that. But you just you just know what that deal is going to go down as. Let me just double check something here too. I feel like you never you never get. I mean, I guess with the Kyrie trade, the Cavs got a decent haul back. But when you're trading a guy like that, you know who's not a superstar, you're not you're not going to get anything of value back. Why are they going to give? They're trying to advance themselves. Why would they give you anything that they really didn't want to give up already? Yeah, that's like going to get a couple late firsts. Like, yeah, that's the Paul George rule. The Paul George rule. So late first to turn into seconds. And the thing is, too, is like the DeAndre thing. I know exactly how these phone calls would go down. Okay, so you call up the Clippers and you go, "Hey, we want DeAndre," and they go, "Okay, we want we want Jabari Parker, the Milwaukee Bucks." And they go, "Well, no, we're not giving you. You know, we're not giving you Jabari. We like Jabari. He's going to be fine. You know, we'll do Chris Middleton and we'll do a protected first. And then they go, well. You know, and I shoot, I don't even know if they would do that. I mean, that's how dumb this stuff goes. I mean, they, they got rid of Monroe and one of the weirdest protected first rounders in that deal for Bledsoe and they add a real score. But if I'm the Milwaukee Bucks, then I go, Hey, what are you kidding? You know, we're, we're taking on 22 six and that's a player option at 24 million. 
which he, you know, maybe he opts out, which means we have to redo it. So that's not great for us. Or maybe he stays on, and then that's this massive number. I mean, the Milwaukee thing's going to get really expensive soon, too, by the way. So you're not, you're just not going to do that's That's the thing about the NBA that kind of annoys me, though, is that there's so many times where they do a deal or, well, I've said this all before, but DeAndre, DeAndre's way too expensive. Okay, but he could be up in a year or two. Like, what do you think is going to happen? You think you're going to get a guy on a long-term deal at a great number? You think you're going to get him on a short-term deal at a number that isn't that bad? Like, it's just not like the prices are what the prices are. So, to sit there and argue against them. That one's going to be really tricky with the Clippers because, unfortunately, and I, the Clippers, I believe, would have been a playoff team if healthy, but they brought a bunch of guys in that aren't healthy. And I'll give a shout-out to my man Simmons who made a really good point. He goes, bad front offices overlook health as a, as a trait. And they brought in... You know, I mean, Gallinari, hey, Danilo wasn't good to go. No way. Let me just double check the game totals there. Because there'd be nothing worse. Like when I did my college football rant, I made one little mistake in eight minutes. And then like two articles wrote recaps and they started their article with that. I'm like, you guys can pound all the sand at the beach. And um, if we did this podcast and... I don't even think today's is that good. But somebody would be like, oh, sweet podcast. Good call on Danilo. Yeah, he's played half the season. So, score one for Big Rye. All right, uh, we done? One more? Respect the game. Oh, good. Yeah, last one. This is from Tyler. He wants to know which team is the most painful to watch this season. Bulls. They suck. Respect the game. 